Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Inequity in Mathematics. I'm Emily Creed, and today we're going to be talking about the issues of inequity found in our math classes across the country. Now, it's safe to assume, unfortunately, that everyone has had some sort of negative experience in a math classroom. And for many of us, our overall math education experience was not a positive one. Have you ever given much thought to why this was the case? And I'll give you a hint. It isn't just because math is hard. I'd like to start the conversation by asking you a relatively simple question. Are you a math person? Chances are you didn't need long to decide your answer. The idea that some people are just inherently good at math is so heavily ingrained in every one of us that we hardly ever take into question how detrimentally problematic this construct is. We have this idea inside of our heads that some people just have an innate talent bestowed upon them which allows them to succeed in math, and that's false. Similarly, the idea that the rest of us are at some sort of disadvantage in the subject, leading us all doomed to fail, is also false. So then why do we hold this as fact? Well, it happens to be heavily rooted in all the inequalities in our math curriculums, pedagogies, and beliefs. Did you know that the achievement levels of American students in math falls far behind those in other developed nations? And the students within our country that are falling behind most often come from those in high poverty and high minority areas. American math classes are most often taught in a linear skill and drill way. But math, like all subjects, is not linear. There isn't only one pathway that leads to mathematical success and understanding, but there are many paths, and they cross and intertwine and diverge, and they all lead to success. Similarly, the skill and drill method, which is a method that focuses on teaching a new skill or concept only so students can regurgitate it on an exam, results in a shallow understanding of the material. As much as educators might try to avoid it, math falls victim to the banking concept of education. Teachers are seen as all-knowing pools of information, and students are just seen as empty minds waiting to be filled. In addition to being problematic, these ways of instruction are also ineffective. But before we can find a solution, we need to understand the issue at hand. For many students, myself included, the problem started with tracked classes. This means that starting around the sixth grade, every student is placed into one of several math classes based on their perceived mathematical ability. So at the young age of around 11, it was decided for us if we were to be successful in math. In my own middle school, at the end of each year, they would look at our test scores and decide if we needed to be bumped up or down in difficulty. In the eighth grade, as we prepared for our transition to high school, they checked our grades again, this time to place us into our freshman year math classes. I remember that every student with a 90% or better got placed in the highest math class, or the smart kid class but I didn't make it in. And I remember this so clearly because I had an 89%. I was so frustrated at the time, and quite honestly, I'm still kind of frustrated now, but I suppose for different reasons. You see, all of my friends had gotten into that higher level math class and I got left behind. I didn't feel as smart as them, but I couldn't understand why one percentage point made them smart and me not. I remember thinking hard about where I lost that single percentage point along the way. Maybe if I had just done slightly better on the last exam, or if I hadn't forgotten to turn in that one homework assignment, maybe that would have pushed me up. This relationship I had with mathematics was a toxic one. 
I wanted the grades, the A's, the high GPA. I wanted the status of being placed in the top math class. And so did everyone else. In addition to the massive self-esteem hit that comes along with being placed in one of the lower level math classes, these students are now acutely aware that their math teachers do not believe that they're good at math. But math is so important. It's critical thinking, analysis, problem solving. Mathematics is a beautiful playground where we get to play and experiment with numbers and lines and graphs. But that describes what math is like, not a math class. A math class is about tests and grades and placement. And the problem doesn't end there. I remember in college, as I continued my math education, I continued to see problems. Three years into earning my math degree, I was in a geometry class, and something strange happened, something that hadn't happened to me before. Other students in the class also took notice, so we counted the students in the class. And what was so surprising was that there were more girls in the class than there were boys. It was an anomaly for us. It was a first for me. After three years of math classes, it had never happened before. But the data shows that the majority of college students are actually female. And females get better grades in high school than their male counterparts in their math and science classes. And yet, most STEM professionals are held by men. In addition, if you were to take a seat in one of my upper division math courses, you too would see that it isn't just a lack of gender diversity, but a lack of diversity of any kind. Figuring out why this was so shocking and digging into the inequities of mathematics is the same as digging into the question of why some students are allowed to succeed while others are forced to fail. What's holding students back? It boils down to two key factors which shape our students the most in a math setting. The first key factor is the expectation the teacher sets for each student. The second key factor is the discourse of ability. This is a rare instance where our problems can be turned into our solutions. Teacher expectations have the ability to lift our students up or to hold them down. If you believe that a student won't do well in your class, you will be right. If you think that they won't do their homework, that they won't want to study, that they'll have poor parental help, you create a self-fulfilling prophecy for your students. Students will live up to our expectations, and if you have low expectations for your students, you are allowing them to fail. Alternatively, if we hold each and every student to high standards, if you truly believe that they can and will do well in math class, they will progress, they will understand, and they will learn, and they will achieve those high standards you set for them. And like, if a student thinks that they're good at math, either because they think they have innate ability or your belief in them convinces them they're good at math, they will continue to be good at math. But part of the problem is that students get in their head that they're bad at math, either because they've had a failure before or they can tell their teachers don't believe in them. And this leads them to have a fixed mindset in the subject about their ability. And so they will continue again and again to fail. Our math classes need reform. We need to make changes, and this progress can start by changing our ideological beliefs. But it would be naive to say that this will fix all the inequalities in mathematics. Because there's a lot going on under the surface that creates math classrooms that lift certain students up while pushing others down. See, our students are dealing with many systems of oppression that are actively working against them and their success. Students have to deal with segregated schools, racism, lack of funds, sexism, access to resources, and so on. 
We can't fix all of the inequalities in our math classes just by changing the expectations we have for our students or by changing students' beliefs about their abilities. Currently, the curriculums we're teaching in our schools are usually written by people who are white and middle class. This means that the curriculum actively supports certain cultures, certain races, certain people, while actively denying others. As individuals, we have the ability and the responsibility to change our own ideological beliefs about what our students can achieve. But we need to work together if we are to change the systematic issues that create inequity in our math classes. So whether you're a teacher, a parent, or a student, or something else, it's each and every one of our responsibility to create change in our math education. For a long time, I wasn't sure how to address social justice issues within a math class. And I know many people might argue that a math class isn't the right place to address these kind of issues. But then where is the right place? If we don't start addressing these issues in every classroom in our students' education, then we'll continue to support a broken school system and no progress will be made. What can we do? How do we move towards providing each and every student with a rich mathematical learning experience? We need to start by changing our curriculums. We need to have new curriculums, which are developed with the input of a diverse group of people, including those from different genders, different cultures, different socioeconomic statuses, and so on. Therefore, making it accessible to all and not actively denying anyone. And knowing that this will look drastically different than what we were used to. We also need to believe in our students, truly believe in them, as we move away from the banking concept of education and skill and drill methods, but instead move towards differentiated instruction. And we need to be more creative with our instruction and redefine what success looks like. But most importantly, we cannot ignore the issue of inequity in a math class. We need to address this directly.